Morning. I came in, I said, wow, this is a pretty cool church. Everybody's got gel on their hair. And then I realized it was just you were wet from coming in from the rain. Uh, I want to welcome you to uh, a sermon series. We're sort of uh, winding up, or we've got a couple more messages, but it's, in, it's entitled, what, would God, what Does God Want? And that is a great question to ask. So we've been covering various subjects, various topics uh, from uh, a section of Scripture commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, five, chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, in the last, couple, last few weeks, we've covered uh, things that have helped us see what does it mean to be salt of the earth? How are we supposed to, Christ followers, be different? We've, we've covered things, judgment, and how not to, not to be judgmental, how not to take revenge, how to deal with our anger. A lot of practical, street-level kind of applications we've learned, and we've gone to the source, which is Jesus himself. And today we're going to be covering something um, very, very important on a very practical uh, level, hopefully. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to ask to tap into your uh, marvelous imagination, because we all have one. I want you to take a moment and imagine, if you can, a world that is completely honest. A place where everybody that walks around, every man, woman, and children means what they say and says what they mean. If you think about that world, what would it be like? I think about law enforcement and, you know, donut shops would get a lot more business from police officers. I, I think about, well, politics. What would that be like? If politicians, all they would do would kind of go before you and have a 30-second spot on TV where they got their shot to tell you what they were about and they told you exactly what they believed, exactly what they didn't believe, and exactly what they would do if elected to office. I think about this, uh, this Gulf, Gulf uh, oil spill that's going on right now and the big hearings, Senate subcommittee that were had a couple weeks back where all these big wigs from the various custom, uh, companies that are that are liable for the thing are all pointing at each other, right? And they're all blaming each other. What would that be like? It'd take about three minutes. Somebody come in, hey, our fault, my bad, we'll pay. Think about it. I, I know it's hard to imagine. And I got to thinking about some professions, but like the legal profession. I don't mean to disparage any lawyers in here, and there's a few honest ones, you know. Um, but what would it be like to be a defense lawyer going to court who could only tell the truth? The Honorable Judge Marshall Stevens. Honorable. Good morning. Call case number BD 09395, Samantha Cole versus Richard Cole. How are we doing this morning, Counsel? Fine, thank you. And you, Mr. Reeves? First, Mr. Reed, I see where your client... Your Honor, I would like a continuance! This case has already been delayed several times, Mr. Reed. I realize that, Your Honor, but I would really, really, really like a continuance! I'll have to hear good cause, Counsel. What's the problem? I can't lie! 
Commendable, Mr. Reed. But I'm still waiting to hear good cause. Now, do you have one or not? Not! Motion for continuance denied. Is there any chance of a settlement in this case? I don't think so, Your Honor. My client has already offered Mrs. Cole $2.4 million. But Mr. Reed has made it abundantly clear that he has no desire... Settle! Settle, 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 settle! settle. I do want to settle, Mr. Reed. With the story you came up with, I don't think we can lose. I want to proceed. Mrs. Cole, don't understand. Mr. Reed, do we have a settlement? No! No, Your Honor. There's no settlement. Trial to commence 1.30 sharp. to use modern day parlance weird some people out if all they could do is tell the truth what effect would it have on you and me what if we lived in a world where we meant what we said and we said what we meant Jesus addresses this topic and he uses the culture of his day as he usually does very practical but I think there's things that as we fast forward to our culture they apply to us today to honesty, integrity, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But he addresses it uh, under a section of scripture from the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about oaths. And I'm going to be reading uh, from Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand if you would like a Bible. Um, the ushers will come and give you one, and you can take that home because uh, that is our gift to you. We believe it. every word in this book is true. And I'll be referring to it, and we'll actually have the page number, excuse me, page numbers up there uh, for you to follow along with and turn to if you would like. Jesus says the following. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king and do not swear by your head for you cannot even make one hair white or black simply let your yes be yes and your no no anything beyond this comes from the evil one the evil one uh side note but the evil one he's referring to is is satan and uh, the, the, the terms used for Satan in, in the Bible are he's called a liar and the father of all lies. So that's what Jesus is referring to. So let's look at this section and break it down a little bit and what, what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. What Jesus is not saying, and on the surface it looks like he's, he's saying that all oaths are bad. But that's not what he's saying. You know, even today we, we take oaths, don't we? We go into a court of law and we... Well, I don't know if we still put our hands on the Bible. Like I told the first service, I haven't been arrested lately, but next time I'll let you know. But, uh, you know, you used to put your hand on a Bible. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. I don't know if that so help me God part is in there anymore. But nonetheless, that's, a, that's an oath that we take before, before uh, the state, the, the, the country. And we are in danger if we don't follow through with that and telling the truth while we're under oath to then 
be charged with perjury and go to jail. Uh, you, a couple can walk before a, 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 you know, some civil official or some uh, uh, state-recognized uh, minister, pastor, whatever, and take a vow before one another to get married. And the state asks you to sign some documents. That's an oath. That's a vow. Very, very sacred vow. So Jesus, Jesus there were vows that uh, existed in that day. In the Old Testament, we, we know that priests actually uh, were allowed to, 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 to have people swear or pledge an oath in certain situations. And people took oaths before God to follow through on something. Okay, so Jesus didn't just come and say, none of that is, is worth anything. As a matter of fact, we see in the Old Testament in Numbers 30, an example of someone who would take the ultimate oath when it says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. There are many places that you read in the Bible where it says that if you make a vow to the Lord, don't be slow in fulfilling it. You know, there are sort of warnings because that represented the ultimate oath that you were gonna, there, there was divine consequence associated with breaking that oath. So that is what someone would do um, to, 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 to sort of reassure someone else to, to, that, that this, was, this was like today, we'd say, I swear, I swear by my children, by my health, I swear by my dead grandmother, I swear to God was the ultimate oath. And Jesus didn't say, well, you know, oaths are a terrible thing and never do them again or whatever. Well, he did say, He's getting into something deeper because, again, he, Jesus always dealt with um, the cause and not just the symptoms, okay? These oaths were sort of a symptomatic problem, and I'll explain a little bit later. God himself, we see an example in the Old Testament where God takes an oath. Yeah, God. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, referring back to an incident in the Old Testament, it said, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So God himself makes this covenant with this guy named Abraham that became the father of, of many nations. Really, we are, anybody who's a Christ follower is a descendant, maybe not a natural descendant, but we're related to him, spiritually speaking. He was the one that God said, look, I'm going to make you the uh, uh, father of many nations. And, and, and this, is, this covenant is, is, is so important. I'm going to swear. What do I swear by? Well, by myself, because God couldn't swear by anything else. And that wasn't for God's purposes. God did that for us, for Abraham, for all his descendants, including Christ's followers today. He wanted to reassure us, listen, I don't have to do this because my word is good. My yes is yes. My no is no. I'm, I'm, I'm covenanting with, with you. I'm make, I'm taking an, I'll take an oath. I want you to be reassured about this. So again, Jesus comes into a system where oaths were accepted and people, and, and he's not necessarily saying, look, these oaths are terrible things. Here's what happens. What had happened was what happens throughout religion a lot of times. We get something and then we kind of muddy it up. And what had happened was these people took these oaths that were acceptable to God. And they started to create this elaborate system surrounding those oaths. So now they were swearing on all sorts of things, pledging to all sorts of things. And what happened was, let me, an example, 
uh, hypothetically, you, 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 somebody would sell you a piece of land for $1,000 back then. An Israelite would come to an Israelite and I want to buy this land. Okay, you know, and they, I, I pledge an oath by the temple that, that this deal is sealed, you know. And, and the guy said, okay, good enough. That's a sacred oath. The temple, it's a sacred oath. So the guy wouldn't pay up. And the other guy would say, where's my money? He goes, well, I don't have it. He goes, well, you got to pay up, man. You swore by the temple. You took an oath. You, that's your pledge. And he said, well, not, yeah, but that's, that's not binding. The guy would say, of course it's binding. You, the temple's a sacred thing. If you don't pay up, you're in trouble, pal. So then what they would do is go before a mediator. And this mediator would sort of be an expert on these oaths. And they would come to this mediator and they would explain the, 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 the oath. And the guy said, well, tell me what you said. Tell me exactly what you said. Well, I, I bought this land and I, I swore by the temple. I pledged by the temple. And then he would turn to the seller and he goes, is that, is that right? And the seller said, yeah, he pledged by the temple. That's sacred, right? He goes, well, technically not. The gold and all the sacrifices and the stuff inside the temple is sacred. But the temple itself is not sacred. So this is not binding, so you're out of luck. So th that's just one small example. There were all sorts of examples where people were, I, I, I swear by heaven. Well, I'm not really swearing by God, so that's not binding. I swear by Jerusalem, but that's just a city, so it's not binding. I swear by my, I swear by my, 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 my own head, but that's not really binding. You know what they were doing? They were working the system to get around doing what they said they were going to do. They were doing what you and I did. I don't know if you did it, but I did it when, when I was little. When I would say, sure, mom, I'll clean my room. Sure, mom, I'll do my homework. And I had them, can you see my fingers are crossed? And then as cool kids, would, would, you know, we'd be at school. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that for you, buddy. But my feet were crossed, so that, you know, that, that's not binding. So they were playing this grown-up version of cross my fingers. You know, it's not binding. And Jesus comes in and says, wow, man, you guys have lost. This, you're missing the point. This is not good. He said, let, let, let's get rid of all these else. He says, you're... you're you're afraid of going before uh, your government, the state government, and committing perjury because you took an oath? He goes, listen, all your life, if you're following me, is to be lived under oath. There's no need for that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus says words count. They have meaning. Today, we kind of do that finger-crossing thing as we get older, too. We have words for it, like, ah, it's just a half-truth. Well, I bet the truth a little bit. A little white lie. Well, you know, I just exaggerated and omitted certain facts. I love this one. I love this one. That's disinformation. This, this week, uh, there's an attorney general running for Congress or something, and, and he... Uh, he was, he was out there, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, on his campaign. And he said, that, you know, he made reference to the fight, the, the, the fact that he, he fought in Vietnam. The guy never fought in Vietnam. So he's in all sorts of hot water. But yesterday I hear he's out on, a, he's out on this uh, uh, mission because he misspoke. We got all sorts, we, we got, sp oh, it's just spinning it. 
we have all sorts of euphemisms to, 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 to kind of make us get around the fact that we aren't telling the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Jesus says, listen, this is about if you're going to follow me, meaning what you say and saying what you mean. And it's not because it's a rule. It's because you can't have the kind of full life that I intend for you to have, that you were created to have. If you're trying to juggle all these half-truths, you know, and, 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 and trying to cover up, omit, or include things that, that aren't really true. Just make it simple. Be a person who follows through on what they say. Why is it so difficult to be honest? Why is it that we can find ourselves in situations where we deliberately obscure the truth? You ever thought about that? What keeps us from speaking truthfully? I think that the obvious thing is that um, there may be some gain for us from a selfish perspective. We may, we may receive some benefit if, for instance, we, we omit a piece of information. I'll give you an example. You're at work and, and somebody, you're at a meeting or, you know, whatever, your, your school or whatever, and somebody... You, you, you say something, and they say, that's a brilliant idea, and then the, everybody else runs with it. That was, that's a great idea, and all the while you know it was somebody else's idea. But why don't we just say, oh, it's somebody else's idea. <laughs> I heard Joe next door say it just five minutes ago. Because we know it's nice to feel like, you know, and there may be gain for us. How about when we uh, come across someone and, uh, they share something that we don't necessarily agree with and they look at us, don't you agree? And we sit there and we, we sort of don't say anything, but we shake our head and they assume they're, they're with us. Why don't we just say, well, I don't really agree. A lot of times, whether you're young and, and, and you know, in school and peer pressure and all that stuff, or whether you're old or whether you're in between, you, you want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We, we, we want to feel valued, all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely, uh, that would be a reason for us to let things slip by and not speak what we mean. You know, somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of times what would happen is I'd forget. Then I'd see him come back, to, you know, how the, you pray for me? And I'd remember, oh, man, I just forgot. It was well-intentioned, but I should have I thought through that a little bit. Uh, and then I, yeah, let's pray right now, you know, <laughs> instead of saying, you know, I forgot. Well, I, I, I want them to think I really care about because I do care about them, and they might think I don't. That's a, a benefit. Number two reason we might obscure the truth, I think, is the one that we're all used to from the time we're knee high to a grasshopper, and that's fear. Fear is a great motivator. Uh, you know, when mom says, okay, my mom would have said it something like this, quiero que limpie el cuarto, to translate, go clean your room, and I want it done now, because she didn't speak English. So she, she would say that, and I'd say, uh, uh, sure, Mom, and then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't follow through or something, and then she'd come in, and she said, did you do? You know, she got that Latin temper, what you said you were going to do, and then I'd go tear, tear, and then I'd look for my sister. She distracted me, or some excuse where I could blame it on her. 
You know what I mean? I mean, that, when you're under the gun, that's usually when it happens. When you're in the, that heat lamp is direct, that laser beam is focused on you, that's when it, it happens. It's nothing to happen when you're sitting around and you're just contemplative and you're, you, you know, you, we're usually okay. But when, did you get, did you do that report? You, well, yeah, that'll be, be in a minute, you know, and you haven't even started. Or, or, or the term paper, did you, uh, the, uh, the printer isn't working at home. You know, maybe you forgot. I mean, that, that pressure can do it because we know that trouble isn't far away. When we tell the truth, when we answer truthfully, when we let our yes be yes, our no be no, trouble may come our way. Uh, that's just how it works. And, and the Bible says, the Bible recognizes that that's true. It says, you know, it says, uh, when you're under the heat of battle, I know I recognize that that's when it's hardest, but let me give you a characteristics, a characteristic, God says, of a righteous man or a righteous woman. And he lists all these things in, 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 uh, in Psalm 15, one of which is the following. He says, someone who's righteous, someone who lives in a right way, and the way that they were created is someone who keeps his oath even when it hurts. That's when it's hard, when it hurts. Hurt can be a lot of things. Doesn't need to be physical pain, but can be emotional. Be embarrassed. It could be any number of things. I recently had the opportunity to come back from Guatemala, and, and it was a great, great time. And I, I spent some time with um, a young man. Named, uh, his nickname is Shorty, and he came from the gang life in, in uh, L.A. Uh, he was a gangbanger, as he calls himself, in L.A. And and he was uh, deported to the United uh, to uh, back to Guatemala, and he ends up for the last nine years or so. He's been working with these kids, rough kids from rough gangs, you know that. Uh, pretty serious gangs uh, in Guatemala, and he's making a difference. But when he was sharing his story with me, he talked about when he was in L.A., he has two young children in the United States. And he says, you know, I, I, was, I was caught, and I was imprisoned, and I was taken to court, you know, and it, and it came down to standing before the judge. And as I was standing there, uh, my defense attorney was telling me, this is what you say, this is what you don't say. And then the prosecuting attorney was want, wanting to nail me to the wall, give me the full 35 years plus or whatever it was, he told me. Over, over 30 years, it was 35 years or so. And he said, so I stand there before the judge and the judge says, so are you guilty? And at that time, God was working on me, he said, yes, your honor, I'm guilty of, of everything that I've been accused of. Far more, but he said, I, I'm, I'm throwing myself to your mercy. I'm a changed man, um, but I'll take whatever comes. His, his attorney, you know, was defense attorney was in the back probably looking like, Rah! you know, what are you doing? Uh, making all those weird gestures, you know, and, and he was standing there and, and the judge said, Shorty tells me, he says, you know what? The judge was so shocked. He says, well, I'll give you three years. He goes, I'd give you less, but that's the minimum I'm allowed to, to give you. And then the prosecuting attorney, the DA, was probably going out the back, really mad, you know. I mean, he was so floored by what he said. But there's a case where you, you, you see the consequence of telling the truth. It'd be so easy to compromise and not let your yes be yes or your no be no. But he knew it was coming, but because of his faith, because of his belief, he said no. You know, I need to tell the truth. 
Here's the deal. Yes, when we tell the truth, when we live a life that we were created to live, which is hard and only possible if we rely on Christ and believe that if we live this kind of life, we're going to be happier than otherwise. If we live that life, we will have trouble. But if we're not living that life, we will have bigger trouble. Half-truths, lies, they, they will have a way of finding you. The Bible, it will find you out. And you may say, no, a lot of people have gotten, um, gotten through life living a lie, and they've never been found out. Well, that may be true, but I dare say because of the way we're created, there's an element of guilt, an element of looking over your shoulder that just is there. I don't understand it. But if we were created to be transparent, to mean what we say and say what we mean, if we don't live that way, we can't live, we can't enjoy the kind of life on this earth that God says that we could have. If you've ever told a lie, probably you've never done that. I have, I'll use myself as an example. Half truth, an exaggeration, whatever it may be. You know how exhausting it is to keep that thing alive. You told that person, what was it that I told them? Now you got to tell this person. And you got to tell that person. But before you know it, you're just, what was it? You're, you're living this life and you're afraid. the whole time there's this fear of being found out. And there's a certain freedom when you just kind of surrender and, and do what Shorty did and say, that's who I am. Well, you know what? I'm going to publish it in the paper. Well, it's going to be embarrassing, but that's who I am. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell your, your spouse. Well, it's going to be tough, but that's who I am. Well, your kids are, that's who I am. There's a certain freedom when that closet is wide open and you look in there and there's no bones, there's no skeletons. That's what Jesus is saying. That's how he lived his life. That's why he's calling us to live our lives that way. Anyone who would choose to follow him, rely on him, say, hey, this is tough, but, you know, I cannot tell a lie kind of thing. I'm going to let my yes be yes, my no be no. I'm going to be a person of simple, honest speech to live my life as if I'm under oath all the time. Because you know if, if it's just, I'm telling you the consequences will catch up with you. It's kind of like that couple who was speeding down the road pulled by a police officer and the police officer sir. You're going 85 in a 45, and he's writing out the ticket. The guy says, officer, I never speed. Never, ever, 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 ever. I obey the law. I pay my taxes. I, you guys, I admire you guys. I never speed. The guy, the, the police officer looks across the passenger seat, sees the wife, says, ma'am, is that true? The wife says, absolutely not. He is a menace to society. I fear for my life and the life of my children every time we step into a vehicle with him. Guy's eyes get real big. He looks over at his wife like, you know, one of those looks. Police officer keeps writing his ticket, says, sir, I notice you aren't wearing your seatbelt. <gasps> oh my goodness, you're right, officer. That's an aberration. Life is sacred to me. I always wear my seatbelt. Make all the passengers, first thing I do when they get in my car is put on their seatbelts. Officer leans over to the wife. Ma'am, is that true? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, officer, I can't remember him wearing a seatbelt one single time since we got married. Officer keeps writing that ticket. Let's get longer. Guy looks over at his wife and said, you open your mouth one more time? 
She shut it. You're trouble. You're going to get it when we get home. And he goes on and on. This officer leans over and says, ma'am, does he always talk to you like that? Absolutely not, she says. Only when he's been drinking a lot. <laughs> it will get worse. You try to patch up a leak in an inner tube, that leak gets bigger and bigger pretty soon. You're sitting on it. You're trying to cover it up. It's coming out another side, and you don't have enough patches or enough parts of the body to cover up that leak. Jesus says, listen, deflate the whole thing. Be transparent. Let your yes be yes. But I don't know if I can let your yes be yes. How do we do? Let your yes be yes. I think a pract on a practical level, how do we do that? The first, the first thing I share with you is it has to do with thinking before we speak. We need to be careful to weigh our words before we speak. Remember, Jesus comes on to the scene, and he says, you know, he comes on, and he says, words aren't even, they don't mean anything. They've been completely devalued. He says, I'm going to put value back into words because they do mean something. Don't be swearing on this, that, and the other thing. Don't swear on anything at all because your words mean something. That's why in James, it says, James 1, it says, uh, we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. The reason that is is because once something comes out, it's a lot harder to deal with than if it never came out. Does that make sense? I got a Hall of Fame full of faux pas in my life, of things that have come out. I could sit here and, and for the next hour tell you what I've said with this mouth. And you say, but that's impossible. Impossible, Mr. Pastor. You're so, no. Let me give you one, just one, a memorable one. Happened with my wife. You see, my wife, here, what I meant to, what I meant to say was, honey, you are awesome. You are beautiful, talented. You could rule the world. You're the best mother, best wife. You are incredible. I can, I can find no fault. You are perfect. God's perfect creation. But you know, honey, sometimes I get worried about you because you're so tightly wound and you got to do, do, do. I want you to relax, take a deep breath. How can I help you? That's what I meant to say. <laughs> what came out was something like this. You know, Angie, if you die, life will go on. That was, that was like the BP Gulf oil spill, <laughs> trying to clean it up after the fact. Once it comes out, you gotta, it's harder. So we, I think we would be helped if we thought before we spoke. If before it comes out, we say, okay, when somebody walks up to me, say, hey, will you call me back? Yeah. Uh, will you pray for me? Oh, yeah, 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 I'll be there. Hey, I'm moving tomorrow. Can you? Oh, no, I'll be there, dude. I'm, I'm there. Think before we, we say that. Uh, put thought into words. And, and, and though it's well-intended, you know, I said, I would help you move, 
And this is what I do because I use my hands a lot. I, I sort of, after I catch myself, I go, something like that. I go, but you know what? I got a lot of, I got a busy weekend. I don't know if I can be there. I, I, if there's any chance, I'll be there. But there's a, there's a big chance I won't be there. Is that okay? Well, no, I need a definitive. Well, I can't be there. Or I'll, pr- I'll pray for you. Well, now when I say that, I, I generally try to grab the person and not grab them. You know what I mean? Get, get, pull them here and let's pray together because I don't want to forget. I don't want to say something that I'm not going to follow through on. Little things like that are so important because broken promises have a way of having greater consequences than no promise. If you, as a kid, ever had somebody promise you something and not follow through, that hurts. And if it's done often enough, it affects the way that you can trust and believe people now. It puts a layer in there. Eh, is that person really meaning what they say? That has consequence. And so that's why God says, listen, think before you speak. We're not going to be perfect. Things are going to come out. And that's why the second and final thing I think that would help us has to do with what we say after we speak. How do we clean up the Gulf oil spill? We need to admit our guilt. We need to admit our guilt. This takes courage, faith, to stop after something has come out, and you know that you didn't just misspeak, didn't just, you know, tell a half truth. You, you, you know whether well-intended or not, that's, prob- that's not true. Admit our guilt. Someone once said that we, if we're honest with ourselves, we must admit that much of our time is spent pretending. We want people to think that we're something that we're not. All of us, everyone in this room is imperfect. Everyone is going to fall short. No one's going to be able to speak perfect truth like Jesus. But that's why he says, hey, that's, what, that's, what, that's why I'm here. He said, this is serious business. That's, wh- that's why I'm here. Because they're, they're, but I want you to take it seriously because, because not only will this give you the kind of life that you want to have to, to live freely and not be worried about what people are saying or what they're not saying or what they believe about you or what they don't believe about you, there's other consequences. And we find that little ways down Matthew, Matthew 12, 36. When Jesus himself himself says the following, he says, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Feel better after reading that? On initial reading, I don't. But here's what I want you to think about. That scripture, the operative word is careless. Care less. I could care less about what I say. Flippant. Sure, sure, I'll be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be there, I promise. I could care less. I, I don't have a conscience about it. I don't even want, you know, I think that's, that's what he's saying. He says, I want you to care more, not care less about what you say. Nobody in the history of mankind other than Jesus Christ was able to to epitomize and live truth 100% of the time. Nobody. But he says, listen, there is a day, and that day 
you know, there's consequence. It has to do with, you know, guilty or not guilty, condemned or acquitted. There's a king that was said to have visited a prison in his kingdom. And when he walked in, he had every, pres every prisoner parade in front of him. And he asked their charge and whether they were innocent or guilty. And to the man, everyone would say their charge and said they were innocent. Finally, he came across one man, and the man said, I'm here for armed robbery, and I am guilty as charged. Immediately, the king said, release this man immediately. When asked why, he said, because I don't want to let one guilty man corrupt all of these innocent men. You know, it's going to be tough to weigh our words, to care more, to put value in our speech. But really it has to do with our heart because the speech is just out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible tells us. Whatever's in here, if you're an apple tree, boop, boop, you're going to produce apples. You're not going to produce grapefruits. And he says, deal with this. If you deal with this, everything else will take care of itself. Let's care more. Let's say, you know, I'm going to make it my goal to take, to take your word seriously, Lord, to let my yes be, yes be a person of simple speech, live my life as if my whole life's under oath. Not because it's some rule and I'm waiting to mess up. No, 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 because I know it's true. That's what I was created for. I'll never be, I'll never experience the kind of joy and fulfillment and happiness if I try to do otherwise. So I'll leave you with this challenge, all of us in this room, because uh, it's challenging. It's, it's challenging. I want you to think about this question. And this week, really, um, you do what you want. But I'm giving you this to take home. I'm certainly taking it home. Ask yourself the question, am I a trustworthy person? We live in a very cynical world. I sound like Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Uh, this world says that we need to reinforce our words because they aren't enough. This world is a world that expects to be lied to. Let's not be part of this cynical world. The question that we started with and I'll leave you with, we'll end with is what does God want? I think it's as simple as being a person who means what they say, says what they mean. Let's pray. You know, Lord, we, we wrestle with some deep, deep, deep things in your word, and we're thankful that you haven't left us as orphans, that you haven't just kind of thrown us out of the house, expected us to, to figure it all out ourselves, but you've given us your word. You've given us practical application of that word. You've given us truth. You don't lie. You can't lie. Father, I, I pray that you would help us to be people who uh, are transparent. I pray that you would help us to be people who, when we catch something coming out of our mouths, we would go to that child, our child, or that parent, or, or that coworker, or whatever, and simply say, um, I'm sorry, that's not true. That witness, that is powerful in a world that just speaks 
and half-truths and lies and everything else. Thank you for your word. I pray um, that every, every one of us would hear it as you would have us hear us. In Jesus' name, amen.